Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. It's good to be here today. Uh, two Sundays ago, um, we uh, went backpacking. We had a group of 12 guys that went backpacking. Here's a picture of them. It was a great time. Um, we left after church on Sunday, and then we came out on Wednesday of the woods. And I, I will tell you one thing about these guys. They know how to eat, all right? And so when we had breakfast, and then we marched, hiked for about three hours, and got out, got showers, and uh, thank goodness we got showers before we drove all the way back home. And uh, anyway, so we're up in northern Michigan, and I started looking for a place for us to eat because I know these guys were hungry. And this restaurant that I normally go to called Club 37 wasn't open. And I was just so disappointed. I called them, you know, hey, are you guys open? No, we're, you know, the website says we're not open until tomorrow. I'm like, oh. So I started looking around and I found in Reed City. Anyone ever been to Reed City, Michigan? It's a little, it's a little city. <laughs> and uh, there were, there were like two restaurants. One was the seven slot grill. And the other one was Buckboard Bar and Grill. And since I'm a deer hunter, I thought, well, Buckboard Bar and Grill, I guess that sounds good. So we called them, and, and they said they were open. They would seat all 12 of us. And so we pulled up. Here's a picture of what it looks like on the outside. And I was scared. I mean, when I saw that, because it's like the back. You've seen those? Like, you know, the back of a tavern is what it looked like in this, this town. And uh, right beside it was the seven slot grill, which I thought was probably some gambling place. So I didn't want to go there. But after seeing the back of the bar, I, I went over to the seven slot grill and said, and they were closed. I was hoping they were open. So I said, all right, guys, this is it. So we walk in. I don't know if it's the front door or the back door. I really don't know. But we walked in and there's a mechanical bull over here on the side. And there's slots, I think, over here on this side. I'm like, oh, boy, you know, it's a church thing, you know, and I'm leading these guys. And we're take, one of our guys is only 18, and I'm thinking, I don't even know if they're going to let him in, you know? So anyway, so we went, and, and we found a place to sit and eat, and um, honestly, the food was actually really, really good. Here's a, a couple of pictures of the guys eating, and uh, they were pretty excited. I think we got another one of Jeff. Yeah, I mean, these, <laughs> think of a burger, you know, this big. Anyway, so um, we had good food, and what I noticed along the bar, though, there were three guys, older gentlemen, sitting over here. There was a couple of people uh, sitting, standing here. And then you had the waitress and the guy who was, who was cooking. That was it. That's the whole group on a Wednesday afternoon. And so these, these three older gentlemen were sitting there drinking beer and laughing and talking and buying lottery tickets. They would buy a lottery ticket. They'd turn it in and see if they want anything and laugh about it. 15 minutes later, another guy would turn one in. It was just, that, that was their thing that they were doing. And then over here, there was a, a middle-aged lady, I would say. She was drinking beer. And then this taller, younger guy was standing beside her, and they were talking, and he was drinking beer after beer, shot after shot. And they, they knew his name. And they called him by name. And I'm watching this as we're waiting for our food and getting our food and then he eventually, he, he staggers away from the bar with some takeout food and just kind of stumbles out of the bar. And, and I just, I recognize that 
this was his community. Now, I mean, he was visibly intoxicated at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. And I just thought about this was his, this was his community. My heart broke for him because that's the best he could find in friendships were, were people that were sharing possibly in his addiction um, in this bar. But let me submit to you, I think that today, bars are doing a better job with community than what the church is. We're just, we're just not doing a great job. They knew his name. They hung out with him, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon. Now, again, I don't think it was healthy community by any means. But how many of us can say that we hung out with some friends on a day off on a Wednesday afternoon from the church? You know, it's just not happening as much. It's not happening as much. But I will tell you, it's one thing that the world is desperate for today is community. It's desperate for that. And loneliness is rampant throughout our culture today. It just is. People are desperate for community. Uh, About eight years ago now, I might have shared this story before. Some of you might have heard this, but Rose and I started uh, young adult ministry, you know, so 18 to 29-year-olds. And the first time we met, there were about 15 young adults in a circle, and I had a whiteboard up, and I was going to write down all the things they were looking for out of this new young adult ministry. And so I asked the first young lady, I said, all right, so you you came to this, none of them knew each other. And I said, "Uh, so what are you looking for from this ministry? And I uh, put my marker up on the board and, and asked her, and she said, well, I'm looking for community. I just, I just want to make a friend. I said, all right. Wrote down community on there, and then I looked to the next person. I said, how about you? What, what are you looking for? He goes, well, I'm, I'm actually just looking for community as well. And we went around this circle, and, and no joke, all 15 of them said community. That's what they were looking for. They were desperate for it. Millennials, Gen Z, our young adult population, and they are lonely, more so than any other generation. Now, you would think with social media and all of that connectivity that's happening that that wouldn't be the case, but it is. That's fake community. It's just, it's not meeting what we need as human beings. In fact, I would say that social media is isolating our next generation. Not, they're not, <laughs> social's the wrong word because they're, they're not having social interactions. People are starving for genuine relationships. All of us. Now, at the very beginning, right, God created Adam and uh, in his own image and, and he had this, this human and at, he looks down at Adam and he realizes that he's alone. Um, Genesis 2.18, he says, The Lord said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God recognized right up front that it's not good for man to be alone. And so what God does first is he marches all of the animals past Adam and, uh, and he gives them the job of naming all of the animals. And Adam was still lonely. And I just want to point that out, guys. Having a pet does not remove loneliness. It doesn't meet that. It's, it's, a, it's a counterfeit. I'm not saying you can't have a pet, but we should not replace human relationships 
with our pets. And having a job doesn't replace this need for love. It can mask it, but we need human interaction. And so then God made Eve. God made Eve. And it was good. Now, the churchy word for community is fellowship. You guys ever heard fellowship? It's used throughout Scripture. It means companionship, company, community of interest, activity, feeling, or experience, a company of equals or friends, the quality or state of being comradely. I like that, comradely. So as a family of God, here in the church, we should have fellowship. We should have community. We should have that feeling of comradely, every one of us. So hold that thought. We're in this series called Gathered Together, Revisiting the Purpose of the Church. And our, our key verse comes from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Not giving up meeting together. That's what this series is all about, is we need to meet together. And here's some reasons why. So last week, Pastor Matt uh, taught a message called Gathered to Learn. And it was a message about how when we gather together, we can learn from one another. But it takes us being open for input. If you guys remember the message, we need to be open for input. And we also need to be willing to share, share our stories, tell people about our lives. So if you missed that message, I would encourage you to watch it online. But today we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at uh, the early church. You can turn there in your Bibles if you'd like. Um, So the church has just been established. The day of Pentecost has come and gone where the Holy Spirit poured out his power on the early disciples. Um, Peter preaches this powerful message and 3,000 people are added to the church in a day. The church had some church growth going on there. So we're going to pick up from there. This is right after that, verse 42, 42 through 47. And my heading of this section in my Bible, the NIV says, the fellowship of believers, the fellowship of believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So today, our message is just simply titled, Gathered for Community. It's one of the reasons that we gather together as a church is so that we can have community, so that we are not alone, so that we are not isolated. And so, um, but just so you know, community doesn't happen just by being in the same place. There's more to it than that. It takes intentionality. So, I'm going to give us from the scripture today a couple of ways that we can better develop community here at Lighthouse. Uh, But let me pray, and then I'll give those to you. So, Father, I thank you for your word once again that gives us the keys to living. What we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to go, um, we just thank you for that. And, Lord, I pray that today as we study this scripture, as we study what the early church did, that we would learn from that. And that no one here 
would be lonely uh, in the weeks and months to come, Father. I pray that loneliness is not a characteristic of anyone who attends Lighthouse, Father. So open up our ears and minds to hear from you today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can fill this in on your handout. We can have more community when we gather in mass, in mass, in masse. I don't know how to say that. It's French, right? But I'm breaking out my French. It means all together in a large group. It's when we gather here for a church service. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says, Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. So the newly established church grew. I mean, they were meeting in the upper room, and then thousands of people came to know Jesus, and they still wanted to meet together, all together as one large group. So they went to Solomon's Colonnade. It was an area outside the outer uh, temple courts, and that's where they would meet, and they would meet every day together. So that daily meeting is what we would call church, you know, having church together, what we, what we look at today. Uh, Many times when we talk about church, we think of the building that they meet in because the building is a practical need for the gathering of his people. As soon as you outgrow a house or a barn, um, then you have to have some type of a space to meet in. and, And that's why many times there are these church buildings that are built. But that's not the church, right? It's just the it's just a needed facility so that the church, the 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 group of people can meet all together. Um, as one large group. The large gathering of the local church family is an important part of establishing community. It's just really important. Let me give you an example. So I love watching college football. This is kind of my favorite time of the year. Saturdays are great days to watch college football. I'm a Michigan fan. I know some of you don't like that. But just think of yourselves as Notre Dame fans. There you go. Um, but I've, I've been to the big house. This is a picture of Michigan Stadium. It has 107,000 seats. All right? And so I've been to a couple of games there. And really, there's nothing like it. If you've been to a Notre Dame game, you know what I'm talking about, too. But you go and you go into this, this stadium, and there are thousands of people surrounding you. And you're all, like, cheering for the same thing. Uh, I remember one game I went to, I, I had tickets in the student section. I don't know why. I won't do that again. And, uh, and they don't sit down. I mean, ever. Like timeouts, turnovers, kickoffs, touchdowns, nothing. They, they only sit down at halftime. So you're like standing on your chair. I mean, not, not standing on the, you're standing on your chair to see the game, you know, for the entire half. Then they sit down and then they stand up for the, the second half. Now they won that game. Thank goodness. And, uh, but it was so much fun because in that, in that moment, I'm, I'm high-fiving people that I don't even know, and we're cheering together, and we're talking, did you see that play, and all this fun stuff. There was community that was established while I was there. Now, you can watch a game on TV, and it's you know, in high definition, and it looks good, but it's not the same as being there. Can't smell the popcorn eat the hot dogs. You know, it's, it's a different feel. Oh, by the way, last weekend, you know, we weren't here, so we watched the services. We joined you online, and it wasn't the same. Just so you know, for those that are watching online, it's not the same as being here. Um, we were watching it in the, the hotel parking lot. Rose and I 
Uh, we got up, we had my cell phone, we went out in the parking lot, had a couple of chairs, watched the sun come up, you know, and we're watching it. You did, I didn't sing one word of the songs, just, right? I mean, you, you, don't, you don't sing, you, you observe, and, and uh, I watched, it just, it just wasn't the same. So if you think that, like, staying home from this large group gathering, that you're getting the same benefit, it's, it's not the same. Man, if I could watch every Michigan game in person, I would. The experience of that versus being at home is just totally different. But we get a chance every week, unless we're out of town or sick, but we get this chance every week to gather together and to worship together as the family of believers. And there's so much, so much benefit to that. But... If that's the only time we're meeting as a church family, we're falling short. Like I had community with those people that I was sitting around. And, and if you have like season tickets, you start to get maybe the same people are sitting around you. So you get to know them a little bit. But that's not doing life. That's not developing community. So community is established when we meet. This is my second point. When we meet in small groups, when we meet outside of the large gathering. That's where community really gets to be established. And the early church understood that as well. Verse 46 is, every day they continued to meet together in the temple court. So they were meeting together every day in a large church setting. Then it goes on to say, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. See, that gathering in homes, that sharing a meal together, and that's where community gets established. It's in these gatherings that life gets personal. It's where true community starts to happen. I mean, I can talk to you on a Sunday and get to know you a little bit, and you can get to know me a little bit. But if we sit down and share a meal together, see, that's when we really start to know each other. That's when the family of God is established. That's when we have true community. Let me give you an example. Steve and Pam Allen, here's a picture of them. You might recognize them. They usually come to second service. Um, but two years ago, they visited our church because the church they were attending had lost power, and for some reason, we had power. And then uh, they've been coming pretty uh, regularly since the beginning of the year. And so I talked to them a couple times in the atrium uh, but they they ended up inviting us over. We said we should get together, and they invited us over for dinner. So we went over there for dinner, and uh, they had Chinese hot pots. You ever heard of those? I think there's a picture of what this looks like. This was the meal that we had. It was Chinese hot pots. So you have this boiling oil. It's kind of like fondue, you know, and then you have all of these vegetables and meat and sauces and all this stuff, and and you sit around this table and you just cook your meal, and you talk. And so we were there for hours and really got to know each other. Um, I know that he's a uh, trumpet player, actually a trumpet instructor and collector. He has uh, several trumpets. I also found out that he's an avid deer hunter, so we hit it off just like that. Um, but it was through that time of sitting down and sharing a meal together that we really got to know each other. 
And so when we do see each other on a Sunday, things are different. It's like, no, I, I, I don't just know them. I know them, you know, because we've, we've spent time together. So here's, here's a question that I think is challenging for all of us, but we need to ask ourselves, when was the last time I invited someone from the church to my house for dinner, for dinner, for lunch, for breakfast? Someone from the church. Not a family member who you have to invite over. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not even talking about like a coworker or whatever. I'm, I'm talking about like the church where we're supposed to be finding community. When's the last time you invited someone over for dinner? Now, I will tell you, this makes you vulnerable, right? They get to see you. They get to see your house. They get to see how you decorate, what you put up on the walls, they might get to meet your family, that can be scary, or your pets, that can be scary. Um, it makes you vulnerable, but that's what community is about, really getting to know each other. American author Lori Colwin said it this way, we know that without food we would die, without fellowship life is not worth living. A lot of wisdom in that. But why not combine food and fellowship and invite somebody over for dinner? I mean, just think about it. After church, we all eat somewhere, I'm assuming, right? We all eat somewhere. Just why not eat together? I mean, you can go to a restaurant and do that too, but there's just this vulnerability about having someone to your house, and it's very counterculture to, in today's society. I think we're afraid someone's going to come and kill us, right? I mean, isn't that it? I don't know. They're a stranger. They're new at the church. I don't want them to steal everything. I mean, just like we have this fear that's like in the back of our minds unnecessarily. I don't think we've ever been killed because we invited somebody over, right? I don't remember that. No, it hasn't happened. I mean, we, we can be more vulnerable in that. So Steve and Pam were incredible hosts. They told me that um, they went to buy this Chinese hot pot and they thought, well, why don't we buy two so we can invite people over? So that's my little tip for you. A simple way to establish community is to purchase two Chinese hot pots. <laughs> you make that investment, you're going to want to use it. You're going to invite somebody over. Or buy a new grill. Or buy a grill because you don't have one. A fondue thing, whatever that is, um, a pizza oven. I mean, just think about, like, if you were going to host somebody in your house, what, what would it take? Maybe it takes cleaning the living room. I don't know. Um, getting a couple more chairs for your kitchen table. But let's, let's, let's invite people over. Let's be the community because people are starving for that. People are starving for that. So that we can have more community when we gather in small groups. That's what the early church did. Right away, they just started inviting people over and sharing meals together. I have a couple more. I'm going to hit these rather quickly. They were in the scripture, so I want to make sure I cover them. Uh, we can have more community when we gather to care. Um, gather to care. This in verse 44. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You can see they had community because they knew who had a need. 
I mean, they, like, they, they, they saw each other. They understood. They, they did life together. It's like when you, you know that your neighbor has a power washer and, and you don't want to go spend $400 to buy a power washer. So you, you ask to borrow it. And like, yeah, let's borrow each other's stuff and, and do that. That's what the early church did. It actually happened later on in chapter 4. Uh, it says all the believers were, were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. That's community. That's community. They knew how to take care of each other. It reminded me of the story that I read uh, a year ago. It was during harvest season. I just want to read this. Lane Unjim was driving his combine harvester across a field of Durham wheat on his North Dakota farm earlier in the month when suddenly smoke began billowing from the machine. Before Unjum could figure out what was going on, flames started leaping around him. Unjum's neighbors saw the fire and raced over, helping him extinguish the blaze and saving the field from ruin. But the shock of the moment, coupled with the thick plumes of smoke Unjum inhaled, triggered the 57-year-old farmer to go into cardiac arrest. When other farmers in Divide County in North Dakota heard what happened to Unjim on September 9th, they immediately halted their own harvesting. Nearly 60 of them showed up at Unjim's farm, equipped with a range of heavy-duty machinery to finish his harvest for him. Here's a picture of the, the combines and the tractors. And I'll tell you, every time I read this story, it brings an emotional response for me. And I have to believe it's because that's God's heart. We actually are seeing God's heart happening through people. That's what community is supposed to look like. Because we all have needs, right? We all need, we need each other. And we should be there for each other. I love this, our, our home group. Uh, actually, I'm going to be real honest. I haven't been to home group yet, so <laughs> you should be in a home group, but I haven't been to it yet. Isn't that crazy? Um, but our home group's been meeting a couple of weeks already. I'll be there tomorrow. Anyways, but um, they uh, had, we had someone in our home group who was moving, and so there was a post out to the home group, hey, can somebody help? And I was at a conference all day yesterday, couldn't make it. But Lyndon is in our home group, and he replies, yeah, I'll be there. And I love that because that's how we should be there for each other. And it wasn't just Lyndon. There were a couple others that came and helped them do the move. We should be that close to each other and then willing to help and then know, hey, I have my home group. They'll help me out in this circumstance, in this situation. So we should care for each other. It's what the, that's what the early church did. They met in a huge group. They met in small groups. They shared meals together. And then when they noticed someone had a need, they helped them out. They helped them out. Let me share uh, one example from our backpacking trip. Um, I tell everybody, hey, bring this, do that. And sometimes that gets lost in the translation or sometimes I don't communicate it very well. But we were up there and we were having beef stew one night. It was so good. Big old ladles of beef stew. And then one of the guys had, didn't bring a bowl. You know, like we were supposed to bring a bowl, and he didn't bring a bowl. And so he came up to me with um, like a little pie pan that would have been flattened out. Like they made these mini pie pans. 
and he, he interviews this little five-man. I, I have beef stew. And I'm like, what are we doing? And so somebody gave him his bowl, uh, their extra bowl, and then somebody else gave him their extra spoon. And it was just like the, the family of God. You know, I'm, I'm preaching this message, but I'm watching as these guys are like, I have an extra one. Or here, you can use mine after I'm done. You know, that kind of a thing. They washed it, I'm sure. It was good. It was good. But yeah, that's what we need to be. We need to be close enough that we can see and then reach out and care for each other. And I don't know about you, but when somebody cares for me in that way, I get closer to them. And when I'm able to help somebody else out, I get closer to them as well. So it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And there's, I just, there's a couple things that keep us from doing that. One is pride, right? We have pride and we don't, we don't ask for help. And if that's you, stop it. Ask for help, doggone it. You're, you're missing out on a blessing and you're holding back somebody else from being blessed. Another thing that keeps us from that is selfishness. We really like our power washer. We don't want anyone to know that I have one. So you... You pull it out in dark and you put it back in the garage because you don't want the neighbors to know. Just freely you've been given, freely give, right? I mean, freely, just be willing, hold it loosely. But I think the third reason that we don't do this is because we just don't know each other. That's what this message is about. Let's get to know each other. Let's get to know each other. All right, last point. We can have more community when we gather often. Often. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were devoted to each other. Every day they met together. They just, they got together all the time. You know, it was something they did. They were committed to each other. Um, Here at Lighthouse, the way we do that is through home groups. I mentioned those. Um, they meet every other week from uh, Memorial Day to Labor Day. And you really get to know each other. And, and you try to stay committed to it. Though, uh, again, I haven't been there in two weeks, but I'll be there tomorrow. Um, community is established through consistently meeting together. I had this uh, quote sent to me this week by Dr. Henry Cloud. It says, you cannot grow a plant by dipping it into the dirt once a year. It takes ongoing connection to build a root system. If you want to be healthy, I mean, you got, you got to come to church every Sunday. You got, you got to get into a home group, serve on a team. If you're young adult, come on Wednesdays. Students, I mean, this is for you parents. Bring your students every week, all right? If they're struggling with having community, maybe it's because they're not coming every week. Just bring them every week. The root system will get established. And if you're not in a home group, come to Deep Dish and Discussion. That's coming up uh, next week. So every Sunday, pretty much every Sunday after second service through the end of the year, into December, if you're looking for a community, just stay after or come back uh, at 1230 and have some pizza and discussion. It's a, the video series is amazing. And uh, you can establish community. And it doesn't cost you anything. Again, we all have to eat, right? We all have to eat. And Matt would love to have you there, right? Every week, he would love to have you. 
Okay, I want to close from a quote from Holly Furtick of Elevation Church. She's Stephen Furtick's wife, and she, she teaches there quite a bit. Um, but she said this in a recent message, the one ingredient that every friendship needs is time. And if, if, you're, if you're struggling with having friendships, if you're struggling with having community, start investing some time. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.